Georgia's DBHDD is urging people to store and lock away all medications to prevent theft and keep them away from children and pets. Old medications can be disposed at Dropbox locations. Dropbox locations can be found at opioidresponse.info. From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is On Second Thought. I'm Virginia Prescott. The confetti has settled in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and the Patriots are once again the victors. 17 years ago, the Patriots won their first Super Bowl. The Patriots are Super Bowl champs once again. Hundreds of thousands of people are heading out of Atlanta this morning, and we're checking out the results and of this, the results of the city's long preparations for the big game. Here to break down the best moments and Maroon 5's grab bag of a halftime show, our GPB Morning Edition producer Taylor Gant and reporter Ross Terrell. How you doing? Good morning. We're doing all right. All right. Well, Taylor, I'm going to say to the victors, go the spoils and yeah. the first question. This is the Patriots' sixth Super Bowl win. Now they are tied with the Pittsburgh Steelers for the most such wins by a right. team. What does it mean for the Patriots? Well, it's funny. You know, for most teams, you know, any given Super Bowl is an incredible accomplishment. It's something that's not often celebrated by a team. But for the Patriots, they had already had five down with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick going for their sixth. You know, it almost seemed like it was old hat at this point. Um, you know, how can you be nervous for a game that you've been to so many times over the past, you know, 15, 16, 17 years? Um, so I'd, I'd have to say, you know, it doesn't do much. You know, it just it, it continues to um improve the legacy of Tom Brady and the Patriots. And I don't think that we really needed much more clarification that. Belichick, Brady, it's the best combination that's ever played in this sport. Mm, and Ross, your pregame prediction was two words, Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> he is the oldest quarterback in the league, also considered to be one of the best. Did he play like that last night? I think he, last night he's no longer one of the best. He is the best. Six rings, uh, most everybody quarterback. Did he play like it? Mm. Uh, not necessarily. He played better than Jared Goff, quarterback of the Rams. But, I mean, 21 of 35 in an interception, it wasn't necessarily that impressive. Yeah. Um, I think before the game, he was kind of taking in the scene. Like, this could be the last time I'm here. He says he's 0% chance he's going to retire, but right. he is 41. And in sports, you might as well be 75. Um, so he's the best, and we'll see. And it kind of reminds me of Super Bowl 50, which was a few years ago when Peyton Manning played his final game. It was the Broncos versus the Panthers. They won. He didn't throw a, a touchdown in that game either, and he retired immediately after. But as Ross said, Brady said he's going until he's 45 years old. He doesn't want to stop. <laughs> well, in, in the other championships, there's they always come after the score was tied. Patriots trailing fourth quarter. Big tension. Not a tense game last night. <sighs> no. 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 <laughs> I mean, there was a little bit at the end. You know, the Rams had a chance to at least tie it at 10. But then, you know, Goff throws an interception, uh, you know, and that basically ends the chances for the Rams at that point. How and about some props for Julian Edelman, the most valuable player? Played we'll, a great game. We'll give him his props, 10 catches. But if, if you're the NFL, in a way, you kind of have to be relieved the way the championship weekend ended with the controversial no call, uh, with billboards mm -hmm. going up saying a team got robbed. You didn't have any of that. There was no controversy here. It no. was a, a dud of a game. But the announcer jinx, I will say, is real. Um, no kicker had missed a field goal in Mercedes-Benz Stadium right. all year. That was a little bit of a shocker. <laughs> First kick, it goes haywire. <laughs> didn't kill things, though. But how, how does this game stack up against the, the Rams compared to other Super Bowl wins that the Patriots have been in? I, I would say it's probably... 
their least impressive, I guess you could say, only because, you know, both offenses were so anemic. You know, it really was just a war of attrition. There was not really any sort of, you know, masterful offensive play calling there. It really was, you know, two great defenses going up against two offenses that didn't seem ready to play in that big game. Um, I don't know if Ross agrees with me or not there. I'll say this is what's interesting. As we, I think we mentioned on the show, you know, Tom Brady won his first against the Rams. Right. And at that time, it was the end of the Rams dynasty, which was known as the greatest show on turf and right. kind of the start of theirs. And I think we just saw the culmination of that. I think it kind of came full circle. Uh, this Patriots dynasty may be wrapping up, but um, the Rams, it wasn't impressive. Their defense played well, but sure. other than that, it was not impressive. So not a real redemption from the team's last year lost to the Eagles. <sighs> like I said, <laughs> I mean, they won. when you're at the top of the mountain, how far can one be redeemed? You know, it's right. just... Well, this seems to be the sort of overall, like, meh. This was the game. They won the Super Bowl again. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the same kind of feeling about the halftime show. Oof. Maroon 5 headlined the halftime show. More noted, I would say, for Adam Levine stripping off his shirt than a real dynamism of delivery. Here is a bit from the, ha- the show when Big Boy and Travis Scott, I'm going to say, woke things up. Top on my window, Big Boy making a big entrance there. Uh, one review I, I, I read, Maroon 5, a quasi-soul, quasi-rock, utterly funkless band, was the main attraction. Likely the third or eighth or maybe 14th choice for a headliner. Remind us of the controversy, if you would about why Maroon 5 was chosen. Yeah, I, I think, uh, as we've said, the biggest thing from Atlanta's is how could you not have an Atlanta artist? Uh, and you had a little snippet, a little tease of Big Boy. <laughs> you had Gladys Knight. You had Chloe and, Chloe and Haley singing America the Beautiful. But what you saw, the best performances from last night weren't the teams. It wasn't Maroon 5. It was Atlanta artists on their stage. Mm. And I think you kind of proved a lot of people right about when you think of Atlanta and it's synonymous with hip-hop, the history of here, of the artists that we put out. Um, I mean, the the pregame concerts that were free in Centennial were better shows than what we saw last night at halftime. Yeah, Mm. they they mentioned they were going to have this kind of grandiose, uh, unifying message. They alluded to it, you know, before the game. And, you know, one love was spelled out in the the sky above Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It was fine. It was kind of inoffensive. I think people can just kind of go meh, and that would sum it up pretty well. Well, fine and inoffensive seems to be the way that things were running. And the same was true for the commercials. There were no political messaging of any kind, Uh, although Adam Levine, didn't he say something like the voices are going to be heard on the field? That was the plan. Did we hear that? I think we saw it with love. I think that was an attempt. (sighs) Yeah. But it it was safe. And and one of the concerns that, uh, you know, people we've talked to have said is you can't really control the artist's message. And that was one of the reasons for not having them. And I think you may have overcorrected. You know, not only did you not control the message, it was kind of a lifeless performance as a whole. Yeah. And, you know, Big Boy was on for all of maybe, what, two minutes? <laughs> Blink and he was gone. You know, he looked right. great in the coach. The car was nice. But besides that, he was very, very not highlighted during that whole thing. Right. We're getting a little bit of a recap of the Super Bowl with Taylor Gant and with Ross Terrell. We uh, also are going to be hearing a little bit more of his reporting. Ross is on the on the floor and around the city of Atlanta in just a minute. But, Ross, you did lose your bet. You thought that Outcast might reunite at the Super Bowl. 
Yeah, I lost. Um, <laughs> I expected an Andre 3000 uh, cameo of some sort. Um, this I thought this would have been the perfect time to do it. You're at home, but Andre 3000 has turned down the Super Bowl in the past, citing having to conform with the NFL, having to shorten songs, yeah. you're having a, a quicker performance, and for him, he wanted the ability to do the whole song how he wanted. Um, so with that being said, I'll pass to Taylor because I'm still a little salty. <laughs> Well, okay. How about ads? I mean, that's often the big news for the Super Bowl. People seem to shy, or advertisers, let's say, seem to shy away from anything that smacked of controversy. Right. We, you know, we had uh, you know Stacey Abrams ad uh, that we've we talked about in the days leading up to the Super Bowl, talking about the, the need for paper ballots. But besides that, you know, Super Bowl advertising in itself seemed to take kind of a very you know, measured approach this time. There wasn't really anything that stuck out too much. Besides one ad that we that we talked about in Morning Edition today, uh, the Bud Light. Uh, cameo with the mountain coming in from Game of Thrones and crushing the Bud Light Knight, which I don't think anybody saw coming. There was a lot of audible gasps at my Super Bowl party. Yeah, same here. And I imagine there was in others too. But uh, yeah, besides that, you know, I think a lot of ads have problems, you know, trying to get as like cool and throw in as many memes and inside jokes and like old celebrities and stuff like that. But at the end, I think if you ask a lot of people like, hey, what was that last commercial for? They'll just kind of look at you and be like, oh, I saw Terry Crews, uh, avocados maybe? You know, there's just, <laughs> it doesn't really seem to make a lot of sense. You're just throwing a lot of, you know, good money after bad just trying to make that happen. I will say Georgia, in a sense, benefited with the Kia ad. That's something that caught the eye oh, of yeah. uh, Senator Johnny Isaacson. Uh, that kind of shift to Georgia production made here, yeah. uh, new manufacturing. So that was one that really kind of lifted the souls of a lot of people. Um, I think that one was important. And then T-Mobile, uh, I think they kind of stole the show. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm going to say, as a journalist, I really appreciate the Washington Post ad. I oh, thought it was sure. terrifically done. All right, how about the afterlife of the game on social media? Reactions, memes, complaints about traffic, memes about uh, uh, Adam Levine striptease, by, for example. <laughs> My question is, how did people watch the Super Bowl without Twitter? I think Twitter really saved the night <laughs> in a lot of ways here. Um, you, you talk about the memes, but just the the jokes that people kind of pumped life back into the game. Right. I think, I mean, that's really a view of how social media, you know, keeps you plugged in because without Twitter, would you have turned it off? Probably. Uh, but in order yeah. to understand what are people talking about, why is this trending? Why isn't this? Um, you got to thank Twitter for that one. This game in isolation, it was 14 punts compared to three field goals and only one touchdown. So it was borderline unwatchable in some spots. So I think, you know, even the uh, the kind of rude jokes that were <laughs> that were uh, at Atlanta sports, uh, you know, a few detractors on there saying, well, of course, you know, what do you expect? It's in Atlanta. It's not going to not going to be a lot of scoring in this one. Uh, yeah, that hurt a little bit personally. Uh, but besides that, you know, I have to agree with Ross. It did make the game a lot more fun. Okay, well, uh, John Nelson's coming up after this, and he wants mm -hmm. a rebuttal. He does not agree that it was a dud. He said it was a defensive masterpiece. Oh, yeah. So we'll get you let you guys thrash it out. <laughs> but, Ross, you were over the weekend covering Super Bowl events across the city. Now, here are two fans you spoke to, Kevin and John Hardy from Cape Cod, Cape Cod giving us a recap of their weekend. First Super Bowl, by the way. It's crazy. This city's beautiful. I mean, they had a lot going on. There was a lot to do. There wasn't a moment where I was just bored doing nothing, you know? We, were... we did the uh, the NFL experience. That was like, that was the best experience I've ever had, man. Yeah. I thought, I mean, when I came here, I didn't know what to expect. But now, uh, oh, I'll come back. I'll come back. So what did they experience? They had sounded like they had the time of their lives, and that was 
actually uh, the, the common theme that I heard. I talked to uh, some Eagles fans, Saints fans. Saints fans were here. Mm. Uh, a couple of them who are actually going to the game anyway, and they said, you know, this is still a chance to be a part of it, and we're pulling for the Patriots. But um, if you are Atlanta, if you are Mayor Bottoms, you have to thank the weather gods. <laughs> we talked about the 2000 right. Super Bowl and the ice storm that really shut down the city. We talked about the 2014 snowpocalypse and how Atlanta doesn't really do well with winter weather. We had the winter weather scare earlier this week. But, I mean, this weekend it was spring-like. It was 67 degrees. The roof was open for the pregame festivities for a flyover, and that's something the NFL wanted. Um, but Atlanta really showed up, and today Roger Goodell, in thanking the city of Atlanta, said your southern hospitality was really on display. Mm-hmm. And that's something that you can attribute to the 10,000 volunteers, the host committee, just the welcoming nature of the city that they say is too busy to hate. Yes. And how about the uh, – how did Marta perform? I, uh, I think uh, our own Ross Terrell took it to <laughs> oh, great success. I, I did. I, I did take it. Um, I took it there and back. And much different than the national championship, where there yeah. were delays for hours to clear off the stations. Marta was really prepared. They had ambassadors um, at, everywhere telling you where to go. Please move down. They had officers at all stations. Um, it was really efficient. They, I think they did a, a great job of having signage showing people as soon as you leave, here's where to get there. But they did have a hiccup with the streetcar. Um, <laughs> shut down early it Sunday. It shut down early Saturday oh, and, Sunday, yeah. and on Sunday. Um, it gets stuck in traffic, and it, it was inoperable, much like these two offenses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, snap. He can't resist. Well, okay, Taylor, we got to wrap. So I just wanted to ask you, how do you think the city fared during the big event? I think it was great uh, to think how poorly things went 19 years ago. I think this this city has a very uh, long memory when it comes to that, and so does the rest of the world. So now that you get a chance to put Atlanta's best foot forward, especially on the national stage, I think that's a good thing for everybody. GPB Morning Edition producer Taylor Gant and GPB reporter Ross Terrell, thank you both so much. Thank you, Virginia. Thank you. And how else should we leave but listening to some Maroon 5, who just brought it last night. Coming up, we're going to hear about how Georgia high school and college football players played in the big game and in the NFL in general with GPB Football Fridays and Georgia podcast host John Nelson. I was so high I did not recognize the fire burning. 